Let's get into it. If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn to the book of Matthew? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to read a parable that Jesus tells from Matthew chapter 25. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him. Whoops, I was started in uh, chapter 24. Whoops, skip on a bit, brother. Chapter 25. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. We started in verse one. Here we go. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. Or that, that Greek word there is not just like say hi or not just see, but have an encounter with him. Verse 7, all of the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. Verse 10, while they were gone out buying oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Whoa, what a great parable. So this is where we're gonna be for just a, a few weeks. There's so much good stuff to mine out of here. Uh, you know how I talk about like walking along and, and finding something on the trail and picking it up and examining it. And every now and then you come across like maybe an arrowhead, some cool artifact that's found in the ground. Well, this soil has tons of arrowheads hidden in it waiting for us to discover that has the power to change our life as we look forward to the future. So that's what we're gonna be talking about for the, the, the next couple of days. So if you're taking notes, you can write the parable of the 10 bridesmaids week one. That's, that's the title of this morning's message. I know, not very creative, not very fancy, sorry. Please forgive me, I had too much turkey last weekend and my brain is full. Let's look at the, the, the background and the, the context for this parable so that we can have uh, a proper understanding of this, this parable. So Jesus is telling us a parable. And for those of you who go to tribe kids, uh, you know what Miss Joy talks about when she defines a parable. A parable is a little story with a big meaning. A parable is a little story with a big meaning. That's how you can think of a parable. And that's what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 25. Here's the context. In Matthew chapter 24, which we started out in accidentally, oops, but there's so much good stuff in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus has left the temple with his disciples. The disciples are looking around at the buildings and saying, Lord, look at these magnificent buildings. And then Jesus responds by asking, do you see these buildings? 
which is a really interesting question for him to ask right after they had made the comment, look at these buildings. He says, look at these buildings. And they're like, uh-oh, I have a feeling we're about to get learned something. Then he goes on to talk about events that will unfold before his second coming. Ooh. Then in Matthew chapter 25, which remember as the story in real time events uh, was playing out, it wasn't divided into chapters and verse, right? These are just events that, that were unfolding. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us a parable right on the heels of what he just said. Matthew chapter 25 starts out by saying, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So that gives us a clue as to, to set us up for what we should expect. Matthew chapter, the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 25 has the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Then there's the parable of the three servants. And then some people might call it a parable, but it's really not a parable. It's more of a prophetic description of the return of Jesus. That's what's happening in Matthew chapter 25. And we're gonna unpack the parable of the 10 bridesmaids for just a couple of weeks, all right? So when you're reading this parable, you have to ask a couple of questions. This parable or any of the parables of Jesus. The first question you have to ask is who's telling the parable? Well, Jesus is telling the parable. So we need to pay attention. Number two, who are the main characters in this parable? Number three, what do the characters represent? And then number four, this is the most important. What is the deeper meaning intended by the teller of the parable? So that's what we're going to look at today to lay a foundation for what we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks. All right. So let's get into these questions. Who's telling the parable? Well, we know that Jesus is telling the parable. Number two, who are the characters in the parable? Well, let's look closely at this story and see if we can discover who the main characters are in this parable. This parable is not that complicated or complex. There's really five key characters in this parable. Number one, you have the bridesmaids. Number two, you have the oil. Wait, how can the oil be a character? It's a central figure or, or component to the parable, all right? So number one, the bridesmaid. Number two, the oil. Number three, the lamps. Number four, the person who shouts, look out, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And then number five, you have the bridegroom. Those are the five main characters or, or points of significance in this parable. Well, then the next question is, well, what do each of these characters represent? What's their significance? Well, this is where taking notes is so helpful as we get into to look at these. And so I want you to take a few notes this morning so that you can come back and reference them in your own quiet time. It'll give you some fuel as you uh, study God's word. Have you ever sat down to have a quiet time, like a devotion time in the morning where you're like, okay, Lord, I just want to spend some time with you? Oh, what do I read or where do I start or what? Well, you can start by reviewing the notes that you take on Sunday and you can dig into them and unpack things a little further. God will speak to you from the notes that you take from this message and every message that you take. That's why every week I say, write down in your notes because it's so important, you guys. Oh, I can't make you. Oh, my pastor's heart just yearns like, come on, come on. I can't make you. All right, let's get into these characters. Who are the bridesmaids? 
What do they represent? They're described as virgins. Man, I remember when uh, I, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I got a, invited to speak at a big uh, FCA event where there were several hundred football players in a field house. And as I was praying to get ready for this event, uh, I said, Lord, uh, what do you want to put on my heart to share with these young men, athletes, these, these high school football players? And he led me to this parable. And so uh, I, I started out by saying, today we're going to talk about 10 virgins. That got quite a reaction out of these guys. But the Bible says that they were virgins, depending on the translations that you read. Well, so what does that mean? It means that they've been born again. These are Christians. These are people that would call themselves Christians, followers of God. This parable is not about lost people. This parable is about the church. This parable is for people who have invited Jesus into their heart, made him the leader of their life. This parable is for you, and this parable is for me. Who's the second character? The oil. We're going to talk more about what this oil represents next week. But an oil, but oil is the substance that fuels the flame. What's the flame? The flame is our relationship with God. It's your relationship. And I have my I have my flame and you have your flame. You cannot have my flame. So many people in the church rely on the flame of their pastor to be their flame or confuse the flame of their pastor or whoever it is that they're following a podcast or uh, a you know, prophetic email teaching that they get every week or, or something. Some people confuse the flame of whoever they're, they're, they're following or being fed by as their own flame. Don't make that mistake, y'all. This is your flame and everybody can only have their own flame. The substance of this flame also is indicative of the revelation of God that you personally carry. Well, I don't want to talk too much about oil because we're going to talk more about it in, in, in the coming weeks. But one of the other significant characters is, is the lamp. Okay, what's the lamp? The lamp is the holder of the flame. The lamp represents your life. It's the external thing uh, your life, the outflow of your life, or how other people would know you. That's the lamp. So you have the flame, which is inside the lamp, and then the lamp contains the flame on the outside. Okay, are you with me so far? All right, good. How about the person that shouts, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet with him. Who is that character? Well, that character is me. That character is that voice in your life. Your pastor, that voice that directs the attention of your heart towards, listen to this, specifically the second coming of Jesus. That's who that character represents. Any voice that tells you how to properly orient your life, any voice that, that has a prophetic anointing on it, that's why the prophetic ministry is so important, especially in the days that we have stepped into, that prophetic voice is so important because that voice is going to help point out what, what, what's uh, uh, out of shape. And that voice is going to point out and, and tell you that how to get it back into shape. Does that make, excuse me, does that make sense? Look, the bridegroom is coming. 
And then there's always going to be that invitation. Come out and meet with him. And then the, the, the last character is the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? Come on, everybody say it all at once. Who's the bridegroom? That's right, it's Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. John the Baptist describes himself as a friend of the bridegroom. And Jesus is that bridegroom. So here's the, here's the last part that we're going to get into. I told you today is just going to be a, a brief foundation laying for what we're going to get into the next couple of weeks. So what's the deeper meaning that Jesus is getting at with this parable? Oh, that's what we're going to spend more time unpacking. We're talking more about the oil. We're going to talk more about this deeper meaning. But today, there's so much that I want to pour into you. But today, we're only, we're, we're only going to go so far. So what's the deeper meaning that Jesus is getting at? He's trying to tell us that each of us have a choice. We have a choice. One of two things. We can live as a wise bridesmaid, or we can live our lives as a foolish bridesmaid. What does it mean to live as a wise bridesmaid? Well, if you look at this, if you look at this same parable, and we'll attack it from a couple of different angles, looking at different translations, but when you look at this parable from different translations, you can see by the way that Jesus tells the parable, the grammar that's used, the sentence structure of the parable itself, that the five foolish ones, they, oh, how can I describe it to you? Um, mm, they looked for a good looking lamp. That's where their priority was, on the exterior, on the appearance. Their priority was on the external. And then with whatever money they had left over, oh, I guess I'll get some oil too. That's how the foolish bridesmaids lived. But to live as one of the wise bridesmaids, one of the five that were wise, when you look at the sentence structure, Jesus gives us a clue as to what that difference was. They bought a lamp, but then they spent everything else that they had to buy extra oil for that lamp. So those are a couple of differences. There's one commonality. What is that? Look in the story. Both the wise and the foolish fell asleep because the bridegroom was delayed in coming. It's been 2,000 years since this planet has seen Jesus, since he has set foot on planet Earth and walked in his corporal form. 2,000 years. That's a long night. And it's understandable that people would fall asleep, the five wise and the five foolish. I'm telling you, this is a short message because I'm already at the end of my notes. But this is what I want to say to you. As that voice, as a friend of the bridegroom, I want to tell you guys that it's now time to wake up because the bridegroom is coming. Can you just look at all of the uncertainty and chaos and the, the condition? Can you put your finger on the pulse of this country? Can you put your finger on the pulse of the world with what's going on in the world around it? Guys, if we have not started the labor pains 
that are the contractions, the beginning of the birth of the second coming of Jesus, which means days of tribulation. If these aren't the very, very beginning of birth pains, then these are certainly the Braxton Hick contractions that come before labor really starts. And I want you to be not foolish, but I want you to be wise. And I want you to have a generous supply of oil. If it were up to me and there was some way to do it, I, because I love you so much and I care so much for you and I want, to, I want the best for you, I would go and collect oil and oil, all the oil for me. I collect all the oil for my family. I would try to collect as much oil as possible so that I could share my oil with you. But that's not how this works. Only I, I can't store oil for you. When you hear uh, an amazing, inspiring, Holy Spirit anointed, just on fire message, and it just grips you like, man, that was so good. Ooh. Don't mistake that for being oil in your own heart. That's that preacher's oil. That's the oil that came out of her heart. That's the oil that came out of his heart. You have to get your own oil. And so for these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about the oil. We're going to talk more about the lamp. But I just want to leave you this morning with, with this. Over this coming week, between now and when we get together for the first time for in-person services in three weeks, heaven forbid that nothing else unforeseeable would come up that we can't meet December 6th. I'm praying and I'm believing that I get to see your face, face to face, December 6th. I want you to be, I want you to chew on this parable in Matthew chapter 25. I want you to read commentaries about it. I want you to pray on it. I want you to do word studies on it. I want you to dig into this parable because this is where we're camping out for the next couple of weeks. Don't wait for me or uh, for we're going to have uh, we're going to get to hear from a few other people on the same topic don't wait for them to share what the Lord has spoken to them remember that's their oil I want you to find oil for yourself get deep revelation for yourself that that transforms your life not just why did I do this it's either this or this Brian not just something intellectually smart but something that's transformative because I'm telling you, as a voice of the friend of the bridegroom, he's coming, y'all. Now, Jesus even ends the parable by saying, no man knows the day or hour. Am I, am I making some sort, some sort of calendar prediction? No, 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 no. I'm not making a calendar prediction about when Jesus is coming. We're, we're wise not to do that. But in Matthew chapter 24, I believe it's almost seven times Jesus says you can know. That word know is used either five or seven times. And Jesus is trying to tell us that we might not know the day or the hour, but we can certainly know the season. Look around you, and can you feel it within your own heart? Several weeks ago, I was talking about how we're reaching a tipping point. A tipping point's coming, a tipping point's coming. And then uh, last week, I believe, uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, I said, I feel like that tipping point, brink, 
has just happened. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a dramatic overnight uh, uh, um, cataclysmic change, but the very definition of a tipping point is there's, there's this critical mass that's reached that anything beyond that usually is a, is a change in direction, a change in momentum that oftentimes cannot be reversed. That's what has happened. I've warned that the tipping point is coming. And then two weeks ago, I said, I believe that we have reached that tipping point. Things from that moment on are beginning to change and things are being set in motion that are, are irreversible. Let's just take one example as, as we tie a bow on, on this morning's message. Look at the church here in North America. Things have changed about the church here in North America. Will we ever go back to the way it was with the format, the format of church? Perhaps not. Certainly here at Tribe, because of God's miraculous uh, power and your miraculous, generous giving, Tribe has our own space, the Tribe Ministry Center. And this is what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future. It looks format-wise nothing like what we had even just a few months ago. But guys, like Bob Dylan says, the times, they are a-changing. And if you have that hold your breath to try to make it through the tunnel mentality, I'm just telling you, your breath is going to give out before the tunnel does. Does that make sense? Last week, I talked about the, the plague of darkness over Egypt, and I read that verse in uh, Revelation, how it talks about how there's going to be a darkness that comes over the earth again. That darkness will be just before the glorious light of Jesus and his imminent second coming, where in bodily form he will descend on the clouds like the Bible says. Remember the angels told the disciples who were looking up at the clouds, hey, he ain't here. But when he comes back, he's going to come back just the way that he departed. And he will set foot on Mount Zion and he will put an end to all of his enemies and he will establish his kingdom authority, his governmental authority here on planet Earth. Now is the time for us to properly orient our lives to be like those five wise bridesmaids who are stocked up on oil so that when he comes, I've already alerted you, he's coming, get ready, get oil now, so that when he actually gets here, you can be among those five that are welcomed into the wedding feast of the lamb or the wedding supper of the bridegroom. Oh, I want that for you. Let me just end it right here. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I cannot wait for the day. There's this cry. There's this ancient word that says Maranatha. The Lord has come and the Lord is coming again. This cry of Maranatha wells up within the heart of every believer who has stocked up on oil and who is eagerly looking for your return. My prayer for my tribe fam this morning, Lord, is this. They would dig into this parable and that you would speak to them about the condition of their heart, the condition of their lamp, 
and that they would set their face to determine to buy as much oil as possible for these coming days ahead. And help me to do the same, Lord. Oh, how we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all I got. I can't wait to see you in person December 6th. Have a great week. You got this.